This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey guys, we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. This week, we're stoked to have Jess on the ground at the inaugural Maryland Five Star Horse Trials. Ellie's mom joins us for some laughs, and can you believe it's already time to start thinking about Christmas? Yikes. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to, happy to Happy Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 91 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hi. Guys, it's been a while. It has been a hot minute. It really <laughs> has. But I am excited to be back with both of you and to catch up. And we've got lots to talk about. So let's get rolling. We say we have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, <laughs> we really do. So this episode is brought to you by EcoGold. Give the gift of a better ride this season with EcoGold. Whether you're looking to improve your saddle fit, stop the saddle from slipping, or soothe a cold back horse, EcoGold's high-performance pads can help. Shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. And don't forget to order early so you can beat the holiday rush. So guys, I've been on this bourbon kick right now, and I feel like Part of me must have been doing that because I've been missing Jess, but I... Right. I'm sure you have because I've got some new bourbon, like I've tried a lot of different ones. I've got some definite advice for you. Okay. I've got some new like ones too that I'll have to tell you about later. But so I've got this new drink. It's super exciting. So it's an autumn apple bourbon fizz and you'll need orange wedges for your glass half cinnamon and one tablespoon of sugar for uh, your rim, three tablespoons of apple butter, two ounces bourbon, a pinch of cinnamon, and four to six ounces of chilled ginger ale or ginger beer, and then fresh figs for garnish. So you'll rim your with with citrus, and then you'll take your, you know, do your little fancy uh, swivel thing on your sugar on the plate. I just run it with water but i guess the fancy way to do it is to wedge it with a (laughs) with a fruit and then you're going to dip it in your cinnamon sugar and then you're going to fill your shaker glass with ice add the apple butter the bourbon and then your cinnamon and you're going to shake it for 30 seconds and then pour it into the glass and fill it with your ginger ale or uh ginger beer and then serve it with your figs on top that sounds delicious this is a good one I'm all about apple and bourbon right now. Yeah. That's a good one. So good. I'm like really jealous of that. Cause I've just been doing like not a bunch of drinks with it, but that sounds so good. It really does. Yeah. I've been trying to expand my palate because like, I want to like bourbon so bad, but if I don't mix it with something, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So what are you tired of your sludge drink? You needed something fancier. I needed something that wasn't fruity. I was kind of like, fruit, which is weird for me. So yeah. So I was like, this is a good idea. And I've been really like, I mean, apple is way better than pumpkin spice. Don't try to fight me on it because you will lose. So (laughs) it's like, I've been. No, I'm with you. Apple is way much, way, way better than pumpkin spice. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'll stick with my pumpkin spice. Oh, I can't. It's because I'm so into the apple. You'll, and this sounds so good with bourbon, and it doesn't have to this, be like a fancy bourbon to mix this with. You can like just do 
like whatever you want and different. I think it'd be good with a, just basically a variety of them. So I'm super excited for this one. This definitely sounds good. So I'm into it. All right. It's time for news. And Jess, I thought you could kick us off because you're in Maryland, right? You guys are all geared up for the five star at Fair Hill. We are. We got here this afternoon and it looks phenomenal. I drove the four-wheeler up to kind of look at what they're setting up and everything. And they've got the main stadium arena. You finish the cross country up there. They've got this whole trade fair. It really does look like you're at a European event. Like it's super cool. They've got the warm-up rings. Like I know there's a lot of problems like a bit behind the scenes that kind of happen, but they literally make it look amazing. So I can't wait for this week to start off because, you know, we've had a couple hiccups in there. Like it took Courtney 10 hours to get here instead of six. So oh my like gosh. That has been a problem. Oh yeah. And then she had so much traffic on 95. It was terrible. So other than that, we're here and Doug rode the horses today. And I actually have Doug with us and I'd love to hear his thoughts. He got to ride the horses near the main stadium and everything. And we have a five-star horse, a three-star horse, and a young event five-year-old. So we will be packed this weekend. Yeah, you guys will be busy. Wow. Yeah. So, Doug, what do you think about the whole place? Well, thanks for having me. So far, they've done an exceptional job. I think the facility, the the track there is like nothing I've ever seen. So um, I'm expecting the cross-country conditions will be just about the same. But the the grass, the facility, the all their excavation and such looks absolutely beautiful arenas have been great we did a bit of cheating we had these three guys also at Tryon last week jumping so sort of sort of thrust into a big environment and this is absolutely going to be all of that and more and i think it was it's actually a huge benefit that we did that so all were quite good today especially for the first day at the venue and uh, looking forward to this week for this whole place though like do you feel like it it doesn't feel like you're like at a normal it's very kind of European feel to me, like the way they set up. They have tons of grandstands around it. It's very, you know, I feel like when you it's, walk it's down. It's definitely a stadium sort of feel. And, and you absolutely see that at all the European top events. And it's exciting to see the same happening here. That is great. And I, so I, there's just been so much hype for this event. And Doug, I want to get your take on why you think that this event is so important for it to be on American soil. Well, we for so, so long only had one five-star per year in, in Kentucky in the spring. And it's, I absolutely think it's been to our detriment because in development of horses, it's pretty tricky. If you have one that's just about ready to step up to a five-star, you're not going to spend twenty five thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to go over to, to Burley, you know, or, or mm-hmm. maybe to Poe, I guess you could go in France. So it's either England or France would be the other, other fall options that would be somewhat realistic. But I would say it absolutely put our horses six months behind because often you have one that's just about ready and, you know, you're forced to stick to a four-star again and then move up at Kentucky in the spring. And I think that should help, at least I expect it would help as far as developing a, a, a larger string of legitimate horses with experience that could contend for team selection in the future. Gotcha. All right. So I, I know USCA has been great about, you know, making like promoting this event and sharing where we can all watch. And I hope we could check in with you in a couple of days here, maybe on the Heels Down Instagram, just see how things are going as the event gets rolling. Absolutely, I'd look forward to it. How are your horses feeling? Like you feel ready? Yeah, the horses are great. So we've got three here. Quantum Leaves is in the five-star. This is his second. So he did his first five-star Kentucky. He's owned by 
Jess, myself, and Susan Trillock, who's been a longtime supporter of mine. And we, we bought him as a weanling. And so it's super exciting to have him sort of stepping up into the big time for real. And I think he's got a, a very good shot to be at least in the mix here. Well, you know, I don't know that he's going to win it, but he should be right, right around there. In the three star, we have a horse called Camarillo, bred by the same woman, Dee Dee Callahan. She bred Eastern Quantum Shore. and Camarillo. Yeah, Eastern Shore, oh, wow. Maryland. And we bought him as a weanling as well. And he is the same, same sort of deal, Jess and I and Patrice Ratto out of Aiken, South Carolina. And so it's, it's pretty cool. He's a seven year old. He actually sort of had first dibs on the grant to go over to France to Le Leon to the seven year old world championships. But with COVID, it, it just was going to be really difficult for us to make that all happen. And so unfortunately he missed out on that trip, but I think this is an awesome consolation. It looks like a fabulous competition. And then the five-year-old is a horse called Vince Van Gogh, bred by Debbie Car- uh, Crowley, who also bred Quinn Van Diver that went to the Olympics. And he's super exciting, talented young horse coming up. And so it's, uh, it's a really good group. And they're, they're, at least today, we're set off on the right foot for sure. Awesome. Well, Doug, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. Oh, no worries at all. Anytime. So my article this week I found on uh, Western Horsemen, and it's about kind of the, I guess, the change in thought on rotational deworming. So I've always done the rotational deworming. I don't know about you guys, but that's kind of what's recommended for, for the colic care insurance. So I do that, and then I do yearly fecals. But with this article and um, the doctor, the vet was arguing is that we're getting a lot more resistant worms because of the rotational deworming. So it kind of talked about how, you know, in a herd of horses, right, there's only going to be some horses that are going to be your high shedders. Um, And it's recommending keeping those horses on, you know, four times a year. But then your light shedders doing those only twice a year in the spring and the fall. And I know everybody, you know, worms differently. I've always just followed the the Valley Vet one, you know, where I can just buy them all at once. But so this is definitely something to to consider. I, I I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like I I understand the whole resistance to the medications, but I'm also one of those people, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> right, right. So that's kind I'm of like, how I feel. Worth- like, I think it's quite odd that, like, now they're recommending you don't do that. You know what I mean? Whereas before it was always make sure you take care of it, make sure you do this. And now it's, no, now we don't do this at all. Yeah. Now it's just like, well, we've learned that it's overkill, right? You know, like we're creating our own new set of problems by maybe doing it too often, you know? Exactly. Yeah, You know, and it, in Florida, and probably for you too, Jess, like you guys are south enough, like it's always, I always was surprised when my vet told me like we had to, we could deworm less in the summertime because it was like physically too hot and for so a lot of the worms. The thing is, right. Yeah. It's, and a lot of people have just been deciding, okay, let's go to the fecal because it is going to give you a towel. And so it's got, it's coming along to be something different, but that's more the norm. And it's, you know, just retraining our bodies and everything else. Like I'm still not going to lie. We still do, you know, four times a year and stuff like that, but it's like mm-hmm. getting the knowledge and stuff that they're just now telling you to do. That's in the kind of kicker here. You know what I mean? 
Oh, definitely. I would still say most barns that I know of still, you know, still definitely do the rotational wormers. But yeah, I I think it's important that we this is something like you should always evaluate, right, what your plan is, because things do change. And this just seems like we're, we're finally starting to see some science to kind of back up like, okay, before we create more problems, maybe we should reevaluate how we do this, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because it recommended I always done my fecal samples in the fall, but it actually recommends doing them in the spring after they've had more months of less time on wormers with the winter, you know, Earth anyway. But I mean, I just, oh, gosh, probably like six years ago now got into doing the fecal samples before. I mean, I'd always been heard of it called boutique worming because it's so expensive. (laughs) buying the dewormer, you know, and putting them on rotationally. Right. Um, so it's definitely something to look into. I'll be interested to see what my my fecals say this year. And I'll keep you guys posted. All what right. do you have, Justine? Mine is a not fun news item. I'm not going to lie. It's not fun. I'm not excited about it. So as we get closer to the holidays, if you haven't heard this, I'd be surprised if you hadn't already. But we should all be preparing for Basically, the mail to be a nightmare because there are supply shortages everywhere, globally, all over the world. It is just hard to get materials to make stuff, but we really want to keep buying stuff. So we've created this intense demand with not enough supply <laughs> for anything you could think of. So as as we gear up for Christmas shopping and just the holidays in general, I mean, it's just... Basically, if you haven't ordered stuff yet, you should. I, I would be worried if you're going to get it by Christmas. Right? How crazy is that, though? And it's just, so you know, be doing this so, all now. Exactly. Some of it's the pandemic. Some, and a lot of it's just the, the stress of the supply chain, right? Because everything's slowed down and everything's coming back up. And and then on top of that, we've got some mail problems like USPS. They announced starting o- October 1st that they were going to start slowing the mail as part of a way for them to uh, cut costs as the U.S. Postal Service continues to deal with their <laughs> their cost issue that's been going on for a long time. So all of it just says like just points to like it's not going to be a fun holiday shopping season. So and I'm already noticing that on just like what's in stock for normal stuff. Like I needed a new pair of clippers and I was looking in August before clipping season. And I just like, it took me forever to find a retailer where, you know, body clippers were in stock. And and so that got me worried about supplements, about all kinds of stuff. So if you ever wanted to be a hoarder, now is a good time just to get your stuff. If, if it, if it's things, you know, you're going to need, I would have already ordered it, but definitely order it now. If you're just now thinking about it. So, cause Christmas is going to be weird, guys. No, for sure. And, and the you, fact that they're saying, oh, you have to, you know, give yourself multiple days for a piece of mail to get next door is just nuts. Yeah, it's honestly. wild. It's crazy. Yep. Everything is going to take, it's just going to get clogged up, you know, on top of it taking longer to get the materials companies need to make their goods and then ship them to us, you know. Um, ugh, but what are you going to do? So. And you laughed at me for hoarding grain and stuff but um <laughs> listen i bought i bought 20 bags of grain the other day and ke- i'm keeping them in my basement <laughs> where it's not humid because oh, it's the God. same getting grain even at tractor supply is like very difficult right now to find it in stock really i yeah i went to three different tractor supplies to get a total of nine bags the other day 
so I've been trying to buy it in bulk and same thing with like my dogs and stuff are on Royal Canaan. They're all backed up. So it's, you know, now's the time to order early <laughs> on your Definitely. auto ships. Wow. So we just want to give a shout out to everyone who supports us on Patreon, especially everybody who participated in our fall raffle. We're so thrilled to have such a fun, loyal group of listeners. And thanks to everyone who's in our Facebook group and helps keep the conversations and the laughs going over there on Facebook. So if you have considered being a Patreon, now is a great time. You can sign up by going to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Heels Down. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce our first guest of the night. We have Alexandra Letterman, who is an equine artist from Ohio. That name might be familiar to you because she was also a finalist for the Heels Down Spark Awards this year. So Alex uses a modified version of oil painting used by the old masters to create vibrant art representing the equestrian lifestyle. And her art is just gorgeous. So welcome, Alex. It's so great to have you on the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about your painting style and why you decided to pursue this as a career? So I went to uh, college at Otterbein University uh, for four years, majored in art, specifically drawing and painting, and minored in equine business management. My whole life, I've loved horses. I've been so obsessed with them, especially since uh, the spirit selling of the Cimarron movie first came out. I was crazy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, just love horses, painting, and uh, I'm obsessed with color. I love how with different sort of vibrant, almost psychedelic colors, like you look at it and your eyes literally widen because it's so vibrant and sort of wakes you up. I I love how color can sort of affect you, uh, affect the viewer like that. And so for a career, I wanted to sort of combine all those passions. Well, first of all, see if there was a way to combine all all my passions and make a living out of it. So four years at college and after college, I continued to take oil painting classes, which is when I learned a lot about uh, the techniques used by the old masters of painting, which are Basically, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I tell people, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Michelangelo, Raphael, uh, I'll throw Caravaggio in there. It's a layering technique uh, with paint where you're layering uh, very thin, semi-transparent colors on top of each other so that when light sort of goes through those uh, colors, it reflects off of the white of the canvas and it does like a really fun and cool complex effect to um, all the colors. And when you look at it, it's it's a bit more vibrant compared to, a, you know, a color, a flat color of, you know, mixing something. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my work, where I come from. So you're obviously a, a bonafide horse girl. Um, yes. So how, <laughs> how have horses inspired you creatively? Like, how did you know you went to school for art? Mm-hmm. You are you had this passion for horses and riding. Like, how did how did you decide to marry the two? Or did that just really come naturally to you? 
It sort of just came naturally to me. I remember it all, the drawing and painting at least, started uh, (laughs) with the stallion of uh, the spirit stallion of the Cimarron movie. On the DVD, there was a special feature of how to draw spirit. (laughs) And I remember watching it like dozens of times and just learning how to draw a horse because horses are all so, they're so complicated. And I always felt like I could draw a horse a lot better than a person. And horses as well for me really helped with my mental health growing up. I had a lot of um, struggles with anxiety and depression and spending time riding and competing with my horses really brought light back into my life. And I wanted to find a way to continue to do that as an adult and make a career out of it so that uh, I, you know, always had something to look forward to every day, either with my horses or with painting horses. And yeah, and with my business, it's sort of grown from my paintings helping me. I've really sort of thought and dug deep on why I want to continue to do this for other people, you know, make paintings and uh, commission work. I want to help inspire other people to um that are experiencing you know like anxiety or just negative thoughts or overwhelming feelings um to return to that initial passion for the horses um and horseback riding that gave us so much joy as we were little kids so for my art to sort of represent that and help remind equestrians and viewers you know, how, how amazing horseback riding is and just the equestrian lifestyle and horse showing and all these details that as we grow older, I feel like we tend to overlook. They're easy to, you know, forget how, (laughs) how great we have it with horses in our life. And I want my artwork to sort of be a vehicle in that way to help equestrians. So so speaking of your career, you were a finalist for the 2021 Heels Down Spark Awards. Congrats, by the way. That is thank, awesome. Can you tell us you more so about much. that experience? It was so great. Can you talk more about that whole experience for you? Yeah. Um, I. Uh, it was sort of a last minute actually entering my work in. It's... I struggle with my work a lot. I struggle with confidence, you know, thinking like are people really going to want to, you know, look, you know, enjoy my artwork or should I even enter, you know, like those like doubtful thoughts. Like I experienced them a lot too with like showing and competing, but I ended up signing up and thinking, you know, I did it. Like if anything, you know, just in case of, you know, nothing happens. I'm excited to at least see the finalists to see, you know, all these other artists and creative people and in the equine industry. And then I got the email that I was a finalist and I think I cried and screamed like for good, Aww. like five, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's been such a cool, like I, it's, I feel sort of um, imposter syndrome a little bit just because I, I just remember in college just being told or, you know, teased from, uh, you know, my, my uh, fellow classmates that about this girl 
that's always painting horses or just always fixated on horses and and but now just feeling like I you know I finally made it it's sort of validating that I can still continue to do what I love and and it can help other people too help inspire other people a few weeks after the results of the Spark Awards were announced, Patricia De Silva contacted me and she asked if I would be interested in collaborating with Heels Down uh, to have some of my artwork included um, in their sort of collection, their new collection that they'll be launching. And I said, absolutely, yes. <laughs> And um, it's so cool to see my work on the Heels Down website and them being on cards and Christmas cards. And I'm just so excited that my work will be able to reach a much broader audience than my uh, <laughs> my self-taught marketing skills have, uh, you know, uh, given me. So it's it's such an honor and I'm so excited and so grateful. If you guys haven't seen the cards yet, we just recently debuted them uh, in the Heels Down shop. You can go to shop.heelsdownmag.com. But Alex, I love them. I mean, they're <laughs> they're definitely going to be all my Christmas cards this year. And what's so cool to me is it's it's a piece of real authentic art that you painted. I mean, how special is that um, on a greeting card? And it it makes me happy to be part of Heels Down that we support artists, equine artists like you. And it's just, it's just such a cool, natural partnership to find someone like you who gets the vibe of heels down and you're, you're so talented. And now we can, we can kind of share that on our platform. So for anybody who's interested in checking that out, again, you can see our new line of heels down art by going to shop.heelsdownmag.com. So guys, our next guest is someone I know very well. She let me live in her womb for a little bit. So my mom is here. Uh, <laughs> she, and actually I'm going to embarrass her because she just turned the big six zero. So hi, mom. Hi. <laughs> yeah, the big hi, six Joyce. zero was yesterday. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Thank you for joining us. No problem. I mean, I'm thrilled to be here. We're excited to have you on and hear all the gossip like behind the scenes of the real Ellie. Yeah, Always I have to be kind of. I have to be a little careful on that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get that. We'll get to like PG version. Yes. So Joyce, for listeners who don't know your story, we shared a a great story that you submitted to us in the Spark for our week, where we shared um, just stories generally from several different rewriters, and a rewriter, quote unquote, is someone who. Grew up riding or was involved in horses in some way and took a long break for whatever reason. Life just took them away from riding and returned. And we got such a wonderful, positive response from your story that we shared that we wanted to bring you on and talk a little bit more about it. Because obviously your story is unique in that you get to share this passion with both of your daughters. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started riding and how you got back into it with um, with Ellie and, and your other daughter? Absolutely. So I don't really remember exactly what I wrote in, so I apologize in advance for that. But that's um, okay. I grew, in, <laughs> um, I grew as Ellie mentioned, I, I grew up 60 years ago in Texas, um, and my parents, I think, when I was about six, bought a horse for my brother, sister, and I to share. And um, about seven or eight years after that, my brother decided he didn't like horses, and my sister discovered boys, so it became my horse. And so I grew up riding western. 
um, on a really lovely quarter horse out of the King Ranch. I was very excited about that because I freeleased him. And then out of the blue, my junior year of high school, my horse that my parents had bought me when I was six passed away. And the woman who owned the horse I was freeleasing returned from nursing school and just drove away with the horse. So I just abruptly stopped riding completely when I was 17 years old. So oh, I went to college. No. Yeah, it was pretty sad. I mean, I went to the barn and the horse wasn't there. It wasn't like it was like someone told me. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah. So, and I did the whole barn rat thing. I worked at a barn and I, and I fed at the barn so I could pay for board of my horse, you know, as I went through high school and things like that. And I, I was a barn rat kind of thing. So I really, really loved being around horses, had learned a lot. I worked for a, worked at a barn that had, um, the, the gentleman actually raised cutting horses. His sons are still in the business and the, they, I think they run the blue bonnet cutting organization or something in Texas. And, um, and then what happened after I quit riding, I went to college, you know, and got a career, got married, had some kids. And then I realized Ellie actually put her on a horse and she was about 18 months old. And she like felt, didn't hold on to the saddle horn. I just remember that very distinctly. She was 18 months old. All these other kids are like screaming, holding on, you know, the saddle horn. Ellie was like, this is fun. What's the pony's name? You know, um, <laughs> patting it and everything. And I signed her up for horseback riding lessons when she was about seven, six or seven years old. And I watched for two weeks and was like, I, I can't stand this. I have to ride again. Aww. So, um, I, and so I just, and then I, she was riding English. I'd never been in an English saddle in my life. So at 42 uh, years of age, I got an English saddle and I walked for two weeks because I didn't know how to steer English. So it was really kind of embarrassing because I thought it was this great rider. <laughs> but after that many years out of the saddle, I was not such a great rider. <laughs> and um, so I literally wrote a, took lessons at that barn that Ellie was at for several years and kind of went from there. And I've been riding ever since then. So mom, I mean, I know what it's like, obviously for me, but what is it like, you know, sharing this with me and Lauren, this passion for um, horses? Yeah. Well, a blessing and a curse simultaneously. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so um i i i absolutely loved when they were little and i could tell them what i knew about horses because i knew more than than they did so i could tell them about you know here's the frog and here's the hoof and this is what we have to do to bridle and here's how you curry and that kind of thing and then it became them telling me you know how to do a polo wrap or, or or, hey, this could be colic, you need to do this, or, you know, mom, we got to call the vet now or something, and I was clueless. So um, it was very fun at the beginning. I, I truly loved, like, going to the barn. I wasn't the blissful parent who dropped the children off and then left and went and talked to the phone or did something at the picnic table while their children rode. I watched every second of what they were doing and, and ate it up because I was also trying to learn. In fact, Ellie and I were in the same lesson group for a while. Um, riding yeah. together. You know how um, hard it is to lesson with your mom what? when she's better that than you That would be really hard, actually. She did so much better than me. It was annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, kind of embarrassing. You lesson with your brother and he beat you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was, it, was, it was kind of funny. but um, And then it, it's also sad because these, these blissfully ignorant parents don't think of things like, did she tighten her girth before she went into that class? 
or I got in big trouble about that one, by the way, with a coach, but, um, or did she put her stirrups up to the right length before she went to jump that course? Or, oh my God, she got the wrong diagonal. She's not going to place in this class or wrong lead. Oh, hit the jump uh, off course. I, I, I feel like in some ways it would have been great to have my kick him out of the ring and be go, good job, great job. And have no clue what, what happened. But you know, that, that didn't get, I didn't get that blessing because I watched and I knew I guess at least I knew when to walk away and kind of hide so that they could go vent somewhere else (laughs) because they knew they had made a mistake. So that's amazing. So I have a question. I want to know what Ellie is really like at the horse shows. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, She's gotten, she's, she's grown up a little bit. It was a little harder when she was younger, but um, Ellie has, um, has, has like a, obsessive compulsive disorder. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. So she's extremely like, m- like maniacal focused on something like it's, it, and it, it's very ritualized. So you cannot touch her horse, her tack, her, herself, her belongings, her boots, her coat, anything. And it has to all be done the way she always does it before she goes into the ring. So me as a mom always wanted to help. And the wrath of Ellie at a horse show is not something you want to witness. So yeah, I had to really <laughs> learn to kind of stay back. In fact, we, we joke about it. I have a 50 fit rule um, at horse shows sometimes to kind of stay 50 foot away from Ellie, uh, 50 feet away so that I don't get in the way when she's getting ready to go in, in, into a class. Ellie, so wow. That, that so funny. <laughs> but the one thing I think is, is awesome about, about Ellie is that she, she always, takes like she has these two qualities I think that are everyone should learn about L, about anybody at any anything at a horse show is that she always keeps a sense of humor and she, it's never her horse's fault so she will come out of a class and I remember a, a, a trainer from another barn coming up to Ellie after her horse had like bucked down the lines and she had to like circle around you know make a circle to go to the next jump because he was bucking and she was laughing her head off because there was nothing else she could do because there was, <laughs> he was just happy to be in there. And she just came out smiling and some coach trainer said to us, you know, what a great sense of humor, you know, what a great attitude. So that mm-hmm. part is really uh, fun to have at horse shows is that she always worries that she's let her horse down. If, if something goes wrong in the class and um, if something really, really goes wrong, she usually just laughs, sometimes mm-hmm. takes a bow. But we could get into that another time. But usually just laughs. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I got that. Apparently, judges don't like it when you bow when you fall off. I didn't know. Uh, no. I, was uh, not. <laughs> I thought it was so incredible. You have to understand it was really muddy. It was really muddy. She was at an <laughs> IEA show, she was in like 10th grade, and she had made this horse got pulled like the next class. It was so bad. It was bucking the entire class. She managed to go every jump beautifully. She had lost both stirrups. It was her closing circle and he got her off. No. And she just slapped into the mud, got up and did, you know, the lovely back. She didn't do a dismount, which I think was always, always nice when you throw your hands up like the gymnast, but she instead bowed. So I thought it was pretty funny. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, Joyce. So last question for you. So you share this passion with your daughters, which is wonderful, but what inspires you to keep going with your horse and to just keep going in the saddle? Well, I, I think it's, 
it's three simple things. One is I cannot gain any more weight, so I have to get some sort of exercise. That was like the first one. So <laughs> if I go to the barn, I'm getting some sort of exercise. Um, um, ironically, I have two parents that were in wheelchairs by the time they were 70 for various reasons. And I'm, I am going to avoid that as long as possible. So I feel it's important to get out there and, 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 you know, be in the saddle and be around the horses and stuff. And there's a lot of guilt involved. I pay board for this lovely, almost 18 hand horse. That's becomes a very expensive pet if you don't actually go ride him. So I think that's, that's important to, to make sure that, you know, um, I get out there and actually go take care of him because that's what he expects of me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Joyce, we so appreciate you joining us and sharing some more insight into uh, into Ellie. I learned a little bit about Ellie today. So. <laughs> I learned a lot about Ellie today. Let's get real. <laughs> I have a system. My si- you always do learn something about Ellie. Always. <laughs> So if you enjoyed the stories from Rear Riders we shared in the Spark last week, you should head to our Instagram page, which is at Heels Down Spark, because we are currently doing a giveaway. Uh, we're partnering with Trafalgar Square Books to, to give away Denny Emerson's next book, which is publishing in December. So if you participate in our giveaway, you'll see a post with the cover of his book on our Instagram. All we're asking is that you share your own rewriter story in the comments and you'll be entered to win a copy of Denny's book. The contest closes October 25th, so don't miss out. Okay, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorne. Who wants to go first? I can go uh, first. Okay, go right. for it. Good. So my Thorne is that... I'm sad that we're not doing, I talked about, we got the Le Leon grant to go to France and do the seven-year-olds and stuff. So my thorn is that it's coming up and it was supposed to be next week, but the same time my thorn is also like a blessing in disguise because it's just got to be so much with the whole COVID thing. And at one point the kids were, you know, originally the kids were going to come and it was like, it's one of my favorite events and France is one of my most favorite countries. So it's like, my thorn is that, oh, it's coming up and that we're missing it. But in reality, it's, it's still a blessing in disguise. But it still hurts a little bit that I don't get to go eat bread and cheese, which my oh. body probably doesn't need anyways. But <laughs> That's hard to pass that up. My thorn <laughs> is that I'm actually not going to eat bread and cheese next week. So, or at least French bread and cheese. I will probably eat it American bread and cheese. So it'll be fine. But that's my thorn is that I'm just a little sad, but in the end, it's not really a bad thing. And then my rose is about kind of horse shows too. Cause I mean, we're wrapped up in horse shows. We're every week going, we're home for like less than 24 hours. That really should have been my thorn, but I think that's just become life so that it's not a thorn anymore. But that's like seriously what has happened the last like six weeks that I can't think of anything else but Rosenthorn to be kind of competition related. So my competition, Rose, is that we're here at Fairhill, Maryland Five Star, and I'm so excited. But my Rose this week isn't that Doug and I are here. It's that my two best friends are here competing in the three star. One of my best friends has competed through multiple four stars, stuff like that, but then had kids and is coming back. And she has two really, really cool uh, young horses in the three stars. So I'm super excited she's here with us. And then it's one of my other best friends, first three star, three L's. So I'm super excited that I'm here with them and get to cheer them on. 
I know that's a good rose. I'm excited to see how that's, it all goes this weekend too. I'm super excited. I'm super excited to be here, but I'm super excited to be here with them because it's a huge accomplishment and it takes so much and it's been a rough two months for both of them for various reasons. And it's taken a lot of like, you know, hoops and everything to get here and they're here and their horses look good. And so I am super, super excited for them. Aww. All right, Ellie, what do That's you got? Definitely my rose. So my thorn this week is that I usually pride myself on being able to find horseshoes in the pasture, but yesterday Berkeley pulled a shoe and I spent, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit almost three hours <laughs> looking for the shoe with a metal detector. <laughs> Are you serious? I mean, granted, my pastures are really big. Okay. Yeah. But I know. Yeah. Usually I can find one. Like I I've always kind of prided myself. Like I've given myself the shoe finder badge, you know, my brownie vest. And I'm kind of annoyed that it, that I couldn't find it even after three hours and the metal detector. So I'm thinking he must have like thrown it out of the pasture, like in the woods or something. I don't know. But I'm really I was really cranky about it. And then I anger anger shopped and bought this like four foot magnet to hang from my tractor so I could drive around and get the shoe. And then. In the Did morning, you take a picture of this for us? Well, I canceled the order because I was like, why am I going to spend one hundred and fifty bucks on a magnet and thirty five dollars of diesel <laughs> to drive the tractor on? I could just buy a new shoe for 20 bucks. I was like, yeah, screw it. You know, so I just I'm a little butthurt about it. And my my pride is wounded because I usually can find them. And even my farrier was like, oh, it's weird that you couldn't find it. And I'm like, I know. OK, so that was frustrating. But my rose was that the shoe got put back on today and I was able to ride Berkeley for because I had set up all these like jumping exercises and some grid work in my arena. Of course, the day he pulled the shoe. And I was like, you know, you son of a bee. And so I was excited to actually do that stuff. And I almost fell off only once. So I'll take it. So that's my rose was that he was really good for our ride. And uh, I only ate one jump. So there you go. All right. My turn. I've got a good rose. I've been trying to remind myself for weeks to not forget this one so that I could tell you guys on the show. <laughs> and I'm proud oh of my, my brain because it remembered. So. All right. So my first horse show back with Michael was last month. I'm trying to think. It's October now, right? So, yeah, after WAC, you know, he got a well-deserved break of like a month of just kind of hanging out. And then I did just a schooling dressage show with a couple of other ladies from my barn. And it was the first time Mikey has like showed with friends in a little while, like got in the horse trailer, like my trainer's horse trailer and went with friends to the horse show. And it was like the day of my classes and I had tacked him up and everybody else was like out gone. So Mikey was a little worried because he, he like he's social. He likes having his buds. So he was a little worried. And this was just like a day of show, like we were tied to the trailer. So Mikey was the only horse back at the trailer. And I he was just being like up and stupid enough where I didn't feel like I could leave him tied to the trailer unsupervised. You know what I mean? Like he was. Yep threatening to be stupid. So, well, I had to pee before I wanted to get on and everybody else was on a horse or like the family members were all at the ring. And I was like, well, what do I do? And I was like, well, I guess I have to bring him with me, but he won't fit 
in the horse show porta potties. So do I go in the woods? And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go in the woods. So uh, <laughs> I take Mikey, I I'm put his bridle really on. I'm all, I'm all dressed like hairnet helmet on. I'm like going to get on after I pee in the woods. And so Mikey is happy to not be tethered to the horse trailer. So he's prancing along next to me. Like, where are we going? Where are my friends? And I look around. I, I find a nice secluded spot. I pop my squat and Mikey's doing fine. I'm like letting him eat, <laughs> eat grass and leaves and whatever, like whatever will keep him sidetracked while I'm doing this. Um, and then he goes from fine to not fine, like right away. Like all of a sudden <laughs> he goes like mom's in a vulnerable state. Now is my time. And he just straight up rears up. It's the first time I've ever seen this horse rear up ever in his life. Like that I've known him. He just straight up just rears. And you know, my pants are at my ankle. Oh my God. And I'm just like, do I die? Do I, or do I just let go? And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to finish what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> with my bare bottom in the dirt <laughs> and I just let him go. I'm like, bye. <laughs> and luckily he, you know, that was like the extent of Again. his theatrics is he just reared up and then I let go of the reins and I finished what I was doing and pulled my pants up and he just stood there. He just stood there and snorted at me. And then I grabbed my reins and I got on and it was over. That was it. Oh my goodness. In that, Split two seconds of me squatting underneath my horse while he's rearing up. I was like, I'm going to die. We're going to attract all this attention to my to ourselves. And I don't have my pants pulled up. Like every worst case scenario went through my brain. But then it was fine. And I got on and I told my trainer and she didn't even believe me that it happened. She's like, no way. I'm like, I swear to God, this just happened. <laughs> that is amazing. That's the yeah. way I want to go. And I want them to write a detailed report in the, uh, like, Is that you died because they reared and left because you peed? <laughs> they just find you with your pants down in the woods exactly. is what you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, are, are, like, I just want to know how, like, I'm just concerned. Like, how did you die? Like, they trampled you and, like, you were naked? Or, like, <laughs> I'm just so confused on how you want this to be a good thing. I, I just feel like I, I've got to die, you know, bare-butted. You know, it's I'm just gonna say with your pants down. Gotta die with your pants down. <laughs> yeah. You know? No better I way to go. This world with a bare butt. <laughs> I don't leave this world with yeah. a bare butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was something. I'm not sure I'm good. I'm not good with this one. Can you imagine <laughs> the rep that horse show would have gotten if you would have died with your butt hanging out? <laughs> what do you mean? Like if they found her in the woods? yeah like oh there's a loose horse and oh there's a you know bottomless rider out here <laughs> what it would have been worse if it's like the reins got caught in my arm and he like took me with him you know they just <laughs> that that would have been worse <laughs> well then you could have pretended your belt fell or something and like he just you know like when you're on a slide or something it like slid off that's why i i would have played that off you that would have i don't worse. know like i'm not sure you can play that off that's so <laughs> crazy yeah, I don't think you could play that off. Also, I feel like my pants would be, would have been wet, you know, at that point. So. so my my question is, didn't you say this was your rose? <laughs> yeah, this is my rose that I survived this tale. Uh, like literally wait, after wait, it happened. How is this your rose? I thought this was your thorn. <laughs> no, this is my rose, man. So like literally right after this happened, like after I because I was like, wow, I 
that could have gone way wrong and it didn't, you know, and I was a little like had the adrenaline rush from being afraid. And then I was like, I got to write this down or I'm going to forget to tell it on the podcast. <laughs> I can't. That is amazing. <laughs> and this happened like a month ago, like the beginning of September. Yeah. You've been holding this for a while. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh. And then he was fabulous. Like then I got right back on and like all it took is he needs work, you know, and then he forgets about his friends and was fine. So yeah, he just had a moment. But he like scratched his face during it too, like because he was like in the tree. He was such a mess, but we all survived. So that is my rose. Okay, so my, I guess my thorn. It's also it, it's also like not really a thorn, but I'm doing I'm competing at the event at Terra Nova next week. I'm really excited to see this brand new venue here in Florida. And Jess, this is I guess it's like my first true three day in that I have to ride all phases on different days, which is cool. But also I'm not going to lie, kind of a pain in the butt for like an amateur person who has to work. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to ride for five minutes a day for three days in a row, but I'm really excited to see this venue, but I'm nervous because it feels like it's going to be a big horse show. So I think my, my thorn is that I'm nervous about it. Make sure you've got someone to hold your horse. If you have to take a pee. Yes. Yeah. I actually will. I will have backup for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I will use a real toilet from now on. So. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to tell me that you uh, peed in the Porta John and held the reins. Not going to lie, first off. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely done that. No, if he was like acting normal, I would have done that. But I did not trust him to not like dart and like knock over the porta potty, you know? So that would have been the story. Oh, God. No, yeah, no, wait, thinking. Than being but caught bare bottom. I'm super excited for you to go to Terra Nova and tell us about it because I've heard it's amazing. And so I can't wait. And you'll do great. Like you've been to enough prep for your first like kind of three day thing that like you'll be really good. I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, I'm excited too. It like the venue. So I drove out there because I'm staying at a farm nearby. So I drove out there just to see how far it was. And the facility is gorgeous. Like they've just done a really top notch job. So I'm really excited to see it in action when the horse show is going on. So you'll be awesome. Thank you guys. (laughs) All right. So we've got a mailbag for you and I wanted, I think both of you probably can think of a, a good contender for this question. So what's the quirkiest horse you've ever owned? Like what, what about this weirdo horse, like, made them totally like a goofball? Do you have, like, a good quirky horse that you rode one time or owned that has, like, a good weird story? Like, you just don't know how this horse survived, that it was so weird? I guess the quirkiest one I had was one that just bucked at random times. And his buck wasn't, like, straight. Like, I have video of him, like, kicking straight out to the side. And when I was teaching him changes, he would, like, he kicked the standard. Like, he was incredible aim. And that was probably the weirdest quirkiest horse I've had. But so we just had to kind of turn his focus into something else. And I think that's the biggest problem with quirkiness is that you have to figure out somehow to like distract them from what they want to do to something else. And it's sometimes possible and it's sometimes not. I mean, it is very, very difficult if they're, I mean, everybody's a little quirky. Every horse is a little quirky, but when they're like super, super quirky, it's, I don't, I don't envy that. Like we had to, I mean, never really went away. We just were able to man, I was able to manage it. 
Yeah, that makes some that makes sense to me. But what about you, Ellie? Do you have a weirdo you can remember? I mean, I think all of my horses are exceptionally weird in their own ways. But I guess Batman would be the first one that comes into my head because he's terrified of paper. And it's not like... Like the sound of it? The crinkling of paper? It's just sheets of paper. Wow. Like white paper. So it, like, it's weird because it doesn't matter. Like he likes peppermints. Like, and you can crinkle things. It's not the noise. It's actually like sheets of paper that terrify him. Like if you were to like hand me a prize list or like a jumping course, or I mean, in his case, like a pattern while I'm on him, you cannot like he will just turn tail and book it the other way terrified like someone it's telling him like if you touch that paper at all you're gonna die kind of like weirdness and actually i um just at this i took him to an open show a couple days or well now a couple weeks ago and the food vendor like their like menu thing it was windy and it flew off and it started flying towards batman and I could just see his eyes get wider and wider. And right when it hit the ground, I like I felt bad. I just like stomped their menu like into the mud because I was like, no, <laughs> it's like this like little girls holding him because he's not a spooky horse, you know, and I'm trying to get my hair done because I was actually showing him uh, in an English saddle. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. He's going <laughs> to run off like terrified of this piece of paper but everyone was like oh that was good of you to catch that i'm like you don't know what would have happened if i didn't so yeah just weird like doesn't care about plastic bags like not like normal spookiness it's pieces of paper like doesn't care if it's a different color (laughs) i don't know know what it is what about michael other than trying to rear up on you is he quirky or i mean i mean He's definitely a little bit of a weirdo, but he's not the weirdest one I've ever had, for sure. He's like typical thoroughbred tendencies. But I had one, this horse named Reggie, who was a Hanoverian, like a very well-bred, beautiful young horse. And I rode him for his owner and breeder for a long time. And he 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 was just like you'd look at him because he's just this gorgeous, like well-put-together horse. But he used to be able to windsuck on his tongue. Or he would like flip it out the side of his mouth. You, have you seen those that can do that? Like they don't have to yeah. touch a, a board. He just like would use his tongue to win suck. So that's just, um, you know, just like imagine this gorgeous big blood bay, warm blood. And he's just out there wind sucking on his tongue. But he was just like the quirkiest, weirdest horse ever. He was very unpredictable. Kind of like what you were describing a little bit just with your Bucker one. Where you just had to like try to refocus his like chaotic energy to get him to do anything. Because he was gorgeous and such a nice mover but the hardest horse to to like keep his focus you know but he was one that like some days he walked right in the trailer other days it took five hours to get him in the trailer you know what i mean he kicked stall boards all day long one time the owner sent him to sarasota for me to like horsham for like a season and we were like where i was living and i had him boarded at a barn and he would be turned out at night in this barn had like it was like you'd walk down the main grass aisleway to all the paddocks and all the gates would be on either side and then you keep going to get to the barn and somehow he got out of his pasture in the middle of the night and then tried to like leap over the gate to get you back to the barn 
and he did not make it and crushed the gate and like clearly fell down and then was like found in the morning, like half in the gate. And just because he's like a weirdo cat or something like he was fine. Like the gate was like horrifically destroyed and mangled (laughs) around him, but he was totally fine. Like just like grazing, but like couldn't physically walk into the barn because the gate was blocking him. And he was just like, Hey, what's going on in the morning? You know, like just a total weirdo, like just standing there with the gate, wind sucking on his tongue, you know, horses, man, give me a heart attack. I don't know if I could own one like that, like, <laughs> because it would just, I would be so anxious all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Q's newest thing is he's become an escape artist. Like my neighbors called me twice at like 1030. They're like, oh, your horse is in our front yard again. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, is he I, jumping the fence? No, he, I I don't know, maybe, because nothing is broken, but he's either like crawling through it, which doesn't make sense because all strands are electrified, or he's like limboing under it. I don't know if he's rolling and like pushing himself through, but yeah, somehow he's turned himself into Houdini and he thinks it's really funny, like, because he doesn't go anywhere, luckily, he just grazes usually like on the other side of, you know, the fence of where the other horses are, but I'm like, why? Why can't you just stay in the pasture? Like, I don't understand why you have to be such a delinquent. Like, just (laughs) stay where you belong. Yeah. So, horses. Horses, man. All right. If you have a question you want us to talk about on air, you can always send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you could join our Facebook group and ask it there. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. Just search for that on Facebook and you'll find us. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark, our daily email newsletter. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. And we want to say thank you to our partners this week, Eco Gold and Heels Down Art. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. 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 <laughs>